Welcome to episode number 73 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Gordon. Welcome to the Fit Successful Dad podcast. This is episode 73, and I want to go ahead and mention a Kickstarter that I have going on right now. It's for a brand that I started uh, really 14 months ago. The brand name is Sobam Gear Company. That's S-O-B-A-M Gear Company. And we have a Kickstarter campaign going on right now for our our market entry flagship product. It's a duffel bag. It's uh, more specifically a gym and fitness style duffel bag. Uh, the bag's extremely tough, extremely durable. It's made out of military grade materials, uh, all steel hardware, the best zippers on the planet, literally. Um, some really cool features built into it that uh, I'm not going to get into too much detail here on the podcast, but if you're looking for or interested in uh, more or less the most badass gym bag you'll ever find, <laughs> go check it out on Kickstarter right now. Uh, it's so Bam Gear Company. Uh, okay, so this podcast episode is actually related to the Kickstarter that I have going on. This is something I've been wanting to talk about for a while, and today I have... Uh, like all the reasons in the world to talk about it. And that is establishing and maintaining your vision. Okay, so when you set out to do something and you set out to achieve a goal or, or at least identify a goal that you want to achieve or you want to work towards achieving, it, it starts with that vision, right? You have an, an idea and that idea is maybe it's a fleeting thought or something, and ultimately, that turns into something that you can visualize. So if it's a skill that you're trying to develop, it starts as maybe a thought. And then, you know, it'd be cool if I could do this. And then the more you think about it and the more you try to picture it, eventually you can start to see yourself, like literally in your head, see yourself developing that skill, whatever it is. Or if it's trying to build or develop a product, same thing. At first, it's just a thought. Like, let's say, let's, I'm going to take myself as an example. You know, what if I had a duffel bag that could do this, All right? That was an idea that I had a year and a half ago. And then after a while, uh, I was thinking about it more and more. And then I started to actually visualize what that, that duffel bag would be like. And when I took it to the gym, you know, what it would be like to have those features in that bag and how much better it would make my gym going experience. If I had a pocket here, here, and here, and it could carry this much stuff and the zippers wouldn't, wouldn't break after two months of use or something like that. Like those were things that I was actually able to visualize. And because I was able to visualize them, I was able to eventually design out that product and, and get it made. But in addition to that, I started visualizing that product, but then I started to visualize the brand that sold that product. Okay. So that was kind of the beginning of Sobam Gear Company. It was like, what could this brand do besides make a duffel bag? So if all a brand is ever going to do is produce a duffel bag, then that's, that's really, I don't know if that's enough uh, to stand on. You know, I don't know if that's really enough foundation to build something upon. So I started to think about what else a brand that develops duffel bags could do. So duffel bags turned into backpacks. And then in addition to backpacks, uh, that turned into yoga bags. And it turned into a whole line of products 
within that space, so to speak, the, the fitness and active lifestyle space. And once I really got to that point, then I started being able to almost formulate a branding and a business model around that. And the thing that always kind of kept me on track is that I was able to do that early on and establish that vision, right? It's a really long-term vision, takes a lot of patience. And any business that's trying to grow themselves from nothing, that's not funded with a ridiculously large upfront like capital investment, is going to ultimately run into this same thing. They need a vision. That vision is usually something that's developed by the founder or one of the founders of the CEO or something. But it's not just developing the vision, it's being able to maintain it, right? And stay focused on that vision because there's plenty of things that are going to sidetrack you. And I personally have interviewed a lot of people and I've talked to a lot of people that I didn't have on the show just through conversations and being in this this world that have always said the same thing. And it's like, it's the distractions and the people that kind of try to knock you down a little bit or the, the situations that come up that almost seem like they're there just to try to prevent you from making progress. Uh, those are the things that they, they beat down most people. They prevent most people from reaching their goal. They prevent most people from kind of moving forward, even if it's much slower than they anticipated. Uh, but the ones that actually stick it out and keep going and get back up or stay on track, even though there's so many reasons to get distracted or so many reasons to get pulled away, the ones that actually stay focused are the ones that ultimately win, even if it is years and years down the road. So, you know, that's not, that's not attractive to a lot of people having to wait years for something to develop, but sometimes it's the nature of the beast. So, uh, right now I am five days into my Kickstarter campaign and today, as of today, we're at 34%. Uh, by all Kickstarter um, data, like all the, the backing data behind every campaign they've done to date, um, all that suggests that by being 34% after five days of a 34-day campaign, that I'm 90%, uh, I have a 90% probability of reaching my funding goal. So it's pretty high, right? And that sounds great, and I'm, I am excited. I think that's awesome. But on the flip side of that, I have people in my court who have told me that um, the reaction and the engagement that I'm seeing on, uh, or that they're seeing on certain ads, I I have people running ads for me and helping me generate my own ads. Uh, They've told me that the lack of engagement suggests that either we're wildly off target with our audience targeting and so we're not actually communicating to the right people who might be interested in this product, or there just in general isn't as high of a demand in this product as I originally thought or we thought. Now, before I recorded this podcast, I wasn't going to talk about this specifically, but now I kind of think that it's not really a big deal, and I think it's important that people see kind of the story behind this and what sort of the struggles are that we're that we're dealing with on this end. Um, now, the product itself is a duffel bag, 
It's an extremely high quality, uh, like premium duffel bag. That's not really a sales pitch. That's the market that it's in. And so it's an expensive bag to make and it's an expensive bag to buy if you're a consumer, but it's also got features in it that are going to be like way above and beyond what you could find like off the shelf at a huge store. Right. But that's what I'm going after. And I know that people in the fitness community are into that. So the thing is with ads, you know, there's so many ways you can spin an ad. And I honestly, I think at this point, it really just comes down to the way the ad is crafted and the way that the copy is done uh, more so than interest in the product. Uh, but that's, I'm not really here to talk about the specifics of the ad. The, the point of me bringing that up is to essentially tell you guys that I have had all the opportunity to doubt myself and all of the opportunity and reason to doubt my campaign and my product and the whole brand and my whole vision all based on this, right? So I have this, this supposed expert, this uh, ad expert, this marketing expert telling me that there's not enough engagement with my product. Your product may not do very well. And for someone who has poured 14 months of energy and uh, uh, many thousands of dollars into prototyping and designing and testing and finding athletes and models and getting a campaign going and getting a videographer and everything that's gone into this to have someone who is supposedly an expert tell you that is reason enough to want to give up. It's, it's definitely reason enough for most people to say, okay, you know, I tried my hardest, I did my best, I did what I could, and I'm just going to go back to my job. You know, I gave it an honest shot, and it didn't work out, and I'm going to walk away. I mean, my campaign's not over. I have 28 days left in my campaign or something, 29 days. I, I have a month left in the campaign, and these people are telling me that there's not enough engagement. I'm already 34% funded, and that is not... Uh, 34, that 34% is not made up of entirely of family and friends, right? Family and friends make up a very small percentage of that. Um, you know, I have a pretty big mailing list and all those people responded. I do have people who are interested in the brand. And if you're listening to this and you're a backer, thank you so much. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I really do. And, um, and thank you, uh, for your support. But some people would listen to what that that marketing company would say and, and walk away from the whole thing. And that goes against the whole concept and the whole prospect of chasing after your dreams, right? There's, there's one small speed bump. I consider that a small speed bump. Um, there's one small speed bump or one, one reason to doubt yourself. And most people would give up and go the other way. And that's just the reason why, the 97% or whatever it is, people work for the other 3% or 96 work for the other 4% or whatever the statistic is. Um, when it comes to business, that's the reason. It's because people encounter a speed bump like that and they immediately panic. And uh, I don't know, I've heard people talk about the instinctual like lizard brain type of reaction that the human body um, the human body does to protect itself, which basically is 
um, the body's way of sensing some sort of danger or some sort of like violation of the comfort zone and almost like commanding your brain to force your body to do something to put you back in the comfort zone. Um, this is the type of situation that would do that for most people. So you're building a business, you get told by some quote unquote expert that it's not going to work out and you start to believe it for a minute or two. And then that minute or two turns into you making rash decisions and giving up on the whole thing. Um, that whole situation that violates, uh, the whole concept of going after your dreams. And, you know, as a, as a parent, I talk about this all the time with my son and he's got his own visions, his own dreams, and they do, they do change a lot. A lot of times they're hockey focused because he's a hockey player. Um, so he wants to be on a TV commercial someday for the Bruins. He also wants to play in Toronto for some reason. Uh, but other days it's something completely different. Like he wants to be a professional keyboard player. You know, but um, whatever it is, day after day, when it changes or whatever, uh, I I support it, and I'm never going to stop supporting it because I know firsthand what it's like to be told, you know, get real, think practical. Um, that's a good second choice if something more practical doesn't work out. Like I was told all those things, and. The people that told me those things weren't being mean. They weren't trying to crush my dreams. But at the same time, I don't think that they truly believed in the whole concept of chasing your dreams and sacrificing everything at an early age, like late teens, 20s, whatever, um, sacrificing some of the easier ways out in order to go achieve something big that would eventually be like more of a long-term fulfillment thing. Um, and I don't, again, I don't, it wasn't the, the, I think most people who are kind of told or, or gently forced, <laughs> gently nudged in the direction of, of something practical and something safe and, uh, told to put their passions or the thing that they really want to do kind of on the side burner as a, as a, as a good backup plan, quote unquote, good backup plan, um, I think that they ultimately end up unfulfilled. Um, that's not to say that they're not happy, because I think that people can generate happiness even in situations that aren't exactly where they want to be, but they're definitely unfulfilled. And if you're working a nine to five job right now, if you were to survey or question or whatever, the people who have been there a long time or have worked in that industry for a long time that are just, I don't know, middle management or whatever, even upper level management. Um, if you were to ask them, you know, how, how fulfilled they really are and you can actually get them to answer honestly, then I, I think you'll find, actually, I know you'll find that most of them are not. All right. If not all of them, they're just, they're not, no one really wants, honestly, <laughs> No one really wants to work a nine to five job. Um, and what, you know, I'm mean, I, sure. Yeah. Okay. There's probably the occasional person that's actually getting fulfillment out of their nine to five job. I think that's pretty rare. I think people work a job because they need a job, 
no matter if it's a $30,000 a year job or a $150,000 a year job or even some of the higher level salaries, $300,000, $200,000. I don't think I know people that make $200,000 and they don't like their job. It's a job. It's a high paying job and they have to be a high performing contributor to that company, but it's still a job. Uh, they still would rather go home and like, you know, would do whatever, <laughs> do something else. Um, on Sundays when they're watching football and having a couple beers, you know, they're deep down, they're, they're dreading going into the office the next day too. Uh, it's so, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot of people that get a ton of fulfillment out of their jobs. Um, and if you start to dig deep enough, you'll find that they actually had something that they're passionate about. And, you know, they probably were either suggested or told, or I guess it's possible that they developed on their own, uh, the path of go like something more practical, right? Going to college maybe, or just going to get a job in a, in a safe field and then following that path and climbing the ladder or whatever. Um, that's something that most people just get corralled into. Um, I was one of them. And again, the reasoning behind it wasn't, it wasn't cruel, right? There wasn't any malice there. It's just, you know, I know people wanted, uh, me to, to, to do something that was like a, a, I guess, quote unquote, normal, uh, safe kind of career path. And, you know, I chose the career path, but, uh, you know, going to college and and following that whole scheme, um, it was just kind of like the way it was going to be. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like a, almost like a dream killer in a sense. I mean, that's kind of dramatic to say it like that, but when you go off to college or if you start working a job at 18 or 19 years old or whatever, uh, and you're doing that full time, you know, and you've never worked full time like that before. And you're working 40, 50 hours and you come home and your friends are, they're off work and you're off work and you end up doing something that, you know, like, I don't know, drinking beer, going out, doing whatever on the weekends and stuff and not really doing anything productive with your time. Um, and that sort of becomes your life a little bit that, that goes on for a while and it sort of, it turns into more than just a habit. It turns into a lifestyle. Um, but the problem is most people actually had dreams of doing something better to something greater, something that was more fulfilling and they gave it all up. And it's, it's a situation where people, they give up that dream. They convince themselves over time, because it gets easier over time to do this, they convince themselves that whatever it is that they really wanted to do was never possible. It was never practical. And, you know, that that's the, that sort of thing is going to be reserved for the lucky people or whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> that turns into resentment. And that turns into regret. And that turns into a life, a lifetime of like deep down unhappiness and unfulfillment. And that's like when people get really pissed off, uh, when they get a little bit older and they go to work and they hate every second of being there and they are like acutely aware at any given time that they're working to live, no longer living to work. They've amassed so much debt that they can never quit their job they're absolutely chained to it forever. And if they quit, they will 
very quickly run out of money. And once they run out of money, all the stuff that they own will be repossessed by the bank. So they're trapped, right? I've talked about the box before. They're stuck in the box. The, the lid's been closed. The box is locked and the key has been buried and they're in there forever. And I mean, honestly, who, who wants that? Who wants to bury themselves in so much debt and have to work a job or in a career that they don't like for somebody else, right? For somebody else that they may or may not like uh, for a minimum of 40 hours a week in that building or whatever, all to just to get by. Because um, that's really what's going on. And a lot of that is because they were convinced at an early age, either by themselves, they convinced themselves, or they were convinced by somebody else not to actually go after the thing that they're passionate about, not to actually go after their dream. Uh, and and I don't know, that just, it's, it's something that I think is so preventable, uh, but it takes a little bit of balls. It takes some courage to actually convince any uh, a child, for example, or uh, a young, you know, a young adult that they can actually do anything. And it doesn't even have to be a young adult, a young adult or a child. I mean, when you're in your 20s and 30s, there's no reason why you can't slowly do that again. You can't slowly do that from scratch, right? And it all starts with a vision. So you had a vision at one point, right? Stop for one second. Think about this. You had a vision at one point, or you had an idea that started to manifest a vision and it was something that you were really excited about. It was something you were passionate about. It was something like this, something like, man, it would be so awesome if I could do this for a living, or it would be so cool if I could build this and sell it, or if I could formulate this thing and turn it into a company and just run that company and sell that thing. Obviously, there's some impractical ones. Like if you're 35 years old and you never played football, you're not going to play in the NFL, right? <laughs> but that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, because chances are you had more things that you were interested in besides that, besides playing in the NFL. And if you had just started working on those earlier on and actually put some energy into it, you could have built that career. You could have built that, that side job or, you know, you could have helped develop a company and been like a co-founder or something and actually worked in a space that you were actually interested in on a product that you were actually interested in. And, you know, it's what happened was you had the vision a little bit, right? You had the thought, the thought manifested a vision. You had the vision and you let it go. And the, really the point of this podcast is that if you have a vision or if you're working on developing a vision, once you develop that, you need to be able to maintain that vision. And if you maintain that vision, if you actually maintain it and you can do that through um, like some of the things I do, which is making sure I say the words out loud every single day. Um, I have sticky notes kind of all over the place with essentially where I want to go with this. Um, I have a, uh, a dream board or some people like a vision board and some people call it a vision board with all the things that I want that are, uh, they're essentially like 
things that I will earn along the way after I um, hit certain achievement milestones. Um, and I use that along with, like I said, writing it down, saying the words out loud. I do those things daily so that I never lose focus. And I always have my, my vision is, is like crystal clear at all times. Um, because of that, because I have that vision crystal clear, you know, nothing distracts me. Nothing. Um, doesn't matter who says what to me. It doesn't matter what, um, you know, what marketing expert comes by and tells me that my engagement's not high enough or my data doesn't suggest that a certain target audience um, is responding enough or whatever. You know, I don't care about that. Um, and it's not enough to stop me. And honestly, if, if it turns out uh, that, you know, that, our, that my marketing um, expert that I have here on my side is accurate and telling the truth, and that my ad set or whatever isn't performing the way it's supposed to, uh, I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop, right? Um, all that means, all that tells me is that I need to make some tweaks, right? I need to do a little pivoting, maybe a little creative adjustment on, you know, maybe I need to bring somebody else in to help me out with that. Um, that doesn't mean that the world's over, right? If a business gets up and off the ground with no bumps and no bruises. Uh, I call that luck or I call that having like an incredibly talented team on your side. Um, because you know, business is all about learning experiences and everything that I've done to date has been a learning experience. And I've you, I have failed at most things the first time. And I think that's how you actually build experience and that's how you get battle hardened. Right. Um, a lot of people don't, like to admit that until after they've been successful, but you know, I'm not 22 years old. I, um, I'm in my thirties, so I've experienced a few things and I've experienced what it's like to build experience. I, I know what it's like to fail at something three or four or five times before you do it right. And when you do it right, that time after failing so many times, then you, very infrequently fail from there on out because you know what not to do. I've said that before a hundred times. I say it to my kid all the time. Uh, you need to learn what not to do by failing a bunch of times first. And I truly believe that's the only way to really learn. Um, so again, my point is it doesn't matter what happens. I'm not going to stop. If I need to fail at this two or three times, in order to kill it, then I'll fail at this two or three times in order to kill it. And that's an artifact of being persistent, being patient, and being able to maintain the vision that I have established a long time ago, right? A year and a half ago. So again, you have a vision, whether it's a small vision, maybe it's just a frame, right? You want to turn it into a full like motion picture vision. Um, you know, do that, but don't lose focus of it. Maintain it at all times. You want to build a business, build a business, right? Stay focused on the vision. You want to write a book, write a book, stay focused on writing a book, right? Whatever you want to do, stay focused on that vision. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you so much for checking it out. And if you haven't yet, please rate and subscribe us on iTunes. 
I would really, really appreciate it. That does mean the world to me. So uh, if you have already, thank you so much. And if you haven't, please go ahead and do that. Also, if you have a like-minded person in your life, friend, family member, whatever, that would get value out of this, please share this with them. I would also appreciate that very, very much. Uh, So that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking this out one more time, and I will catch you in the next episode. Take care.